0: Uh, as, when the uh, men's committee asked us to share again this year, uh, I shared with April that they wanted us to come back and said, well, let's kind of think a little bit through what we might share. And uh, a couple weeks ago, she said, you know, I've, uh, we've been in Ephesians, and uh, I've been reading it, and I have this idea for our talk. I, I want to talk about how you're a real piece of work. <laughs> I said, what? Um. Uh, and so she said, no, I want, I want to share this passage uh, from Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this evening, and we ask, Lord, that you would do a great work within us this evening. Lord, I pray that you would take these words that uh, that we have prepared, or that you would use them, or to change hearts, to change lives. Or they're a small offering, but your Spirit can do great work. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, or truly change us and conform us to the image of Christ. We pray in His holy name. Amen. So what we want to do this evening is talk about how to pursue maturity in our marriage relationships. Now maturity is kind of a difficult concept to define. I looked it up on Google, and I got the ever so helpful definition, maturity. The state fact or period of being mature. So I went to the second definition, the time when an insurance policy matures.
1: Maturity is something difficult to define, but it is something that you can recognize when you see it. So as we began the process of thinking through uh, mature and immature behavior, we came up with a list of contrasting attitudes and some examples to show what that might look like.
0: So something, somebody that is mature is flexible, uh, but somebody that's immature is rigid. So being mature would be willing to play Monopoly with your wife instead of watching TV like you wanted to.
1: And if you're a mature person, then you'll have a grateful attitude instead of feeling entitled. So when your spouse does say that he is going to play Monopoly with you, you'll be thankful for that time together.
0: A mature person is patient, not impatient. And so you are willing to wait for your wife to realize that it is her turn. Even if it takes minutes on end for that to happen.
1: Sometimes you have to talk about things in between turns. That's right. (laughs) So someone who's mature will uh, feel secure um, uh, versus being defensive. So that would look like being okay with the fact that your husband is using every means possible to bankrupt you while he has that smug smile and says, sorry.
0: Peaceful versus dramatic. Calmly moving your piece around the board, not using your battle piece to pretend blow up her Scotty dog as you land on free parking for the fifth time in the game.
1: And it's always better to use self-control rather than let your emotions get out of control. So maybe it's not the best response um, to ask your spouse Is this fun for you when you realize that he is slowly bringing on your inevitable defeat? And maybe you shouldn't leave the room in the middle of the game.
0: (laughs) Listening and not arguing. Understanding that your spouse is hurt that you have slowly crushed her in Monopoly. And not arguing that it was her idea to play this game in the first place.
1: And being mature means realizing that you do need growth. So sometimes you have to come to terms with the fact that you're really just not a good loser.
0: And finally, being humble, not prideful. Being humble enough to realize that the point was to spend quality time together, not to mercilessly show her you are better at monopoly. You see, maturity can be hard to define, but it is easily identified by its fruits, by what plays out in your life, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self control. Fruit
1: that is mature is ready to eat. So if you want mature fruit, you want fruit that's already sweet and tender, not the immature fruit that's hard and bitter. And in our marriages, we're either going to produce the fruit that's sour and hard to swallow, or we're going to begin to produce fruit that will make our relationships sweet, nourishing, and lasting.
0: But how do we pursue maturity in our relationships? Well, the first thing that we need to realize in our relationships, if you want to grow in maturity, is that you are a real piece of work. You see, I realize that I can be a very self-sufficient person. And I get annoyed with people when they need something from me. Early on in our marriage, if April sneezed, I didn't say, bless you, or something along those lines. I would say, excuse you. (laughs) And that was sympathetic of my whole approach to others' needs. Some of you are just getting that, right? (laughs) If you get sick then you need to go and sequester yourself. You need to go and be alone and don't get me sick and don't ask me for anything. And the reason why I would want you to do that is because that is what I would want you to do for me. I don't need anything. I'm self-sufficient. I can do it on my own. I didn't really like that.
1: (laughs) When I'm sick, I want to be taken care of. But I am someone who struggles with feeling insecure. And so my insecurity can cause me to be overly sensitive to any words or criticism or um, assume untrue implications from David's actions. So I can be demanding instead of being thankful for David's attention, his affirmation, and his encouragement.
0: You have to be able to see that you are bringing issues to the relationship. You are bringing your own brokenness. You're bringing your own Issues to the table that have to be addressed if you want to grow in maturity. But don't take this too hard, because each and every one of us is a real piece of work. This is why we must commit to being in the process of maturing. And maturing means change. It means a daily commitment to facing the truth that you need to change if you would be mature. It is easy in your relationships to see the fault in your spouse. But God's word teaches us that we must first begin with ourselves.
1: In Matthew 7, we read, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye.
0: See, when we have conflict, we believe that our job is to get that speck out of our spouse's eye, not realizing that we have this log in our own eye that's getting in the way of us ever being able to do anything about the small little speck that is in someone else's eye. And before we can even think about dealing with somebody else's faults, we have to begin with our own faults.
1: An immature relationship consists of constant accusation of each other, believing that the path to maturity and happiness lies in your ability to convince your spouse that they're the one who's wrong. You believe that you can clearly see what they need to change, and that marital bliss will be achieved when... change. But maturity in a relationship begins first with a commitment to personal repentance, even when you feel like your spouse is the one in the wrong.
0: For example, this past week, as many of you know, I flew out to Washington. And when I came home, I found that a bit of yard work had been done in my absence. Now just imagine that a 10-year-old boy is given a pair of electric hedge trimmers and told to trim back mature boxwood. Now this is what my hedges looked like when I got home from Washington, because that is exactly what happened. <laughs> Apparently, Judah got out the electric hedge trimmers while my dad watched over him and my wife approved. You've heard of Texas Chainsaw Massacre? <laughs> This was the Virginia hedge trimmer massacre. And my first inclination was to be angry. It was to point out that hedges were not to be trimmed this way. And actually, they had not been trimmed. They had been ruined. And that would take a lot of work for me to take them all out because they will not survive what happened to them and plant something else in their place. But then I remembered... There's a log in my eye in this situation, because April had been asking me to do something about those hedges for almost a whole year, and I had ignored her request for this past year because I didn't want to deal with the mess of trimming the hedges. That was the log that was in my eye in that situation.
1: And from my perspective, that giant bush that was blocking my view from the kitchen window was not safe. We live on a busy road, and whenever I hear the dog bark or the kids are going to go out to get something in the front yard, I need to have a line of vision. And since David's dad was enjoying doing yard work with Judah, I thought, hey, now's my chance. <laughs> <laughs> so he and Judah were working in the backyard, but I sent them to the front. So my impatience, unfortunately, went out on that one instead of considering that David does usually do household tasks in a timely manner, and thinking, well, there probably is a reason that he's put this one off, and really not considering the fact that he was going to be tired after coming back from a long trip, and he probably didn't want to come home to seeing an undone project in his front yard. Both of those were reasons that I should have thought through before I gave the okay to my father-in-law. And if you're being overly charitable in your thoughts and thinking something along the lines of, well, it was really David's dad who was out there with Judah. He was the one who was really responsible. I've seen that man with hedge trimmers before, and he has butchered his own hedges. (laughs) It was as if I had given a box of matches to a pyromaniac. (laughs) And to top it all off, I had my mother-in-law saying... I I feel very concerned about what's going on in (laughs) the front
0: (laughs) yard. This situation had the potential to blow up and become quite a struggle. But we both realized that we did have a part to play in the destruction of our hedges. Now, I could have spent my time and energy trying to explain that this is not the way you go about trimming boxwood. Or that I'm the one who does the yard work, so you should have left it to me and not started this project that you wouldn't be able to finish without a lot of hours of my help.
1: And I could have spent my emotional energy explaining that I had asked him multiple times to do something about that bush in front of the kitchen window. And since he's much taller than me, I felt he was ignoring what I needed being that I am a short person.
0: But the truth is we really have no ability to change our spouses. We can't force them to see our point of view. And maturity does not come when you're able to argue your spouse into submission. If you want to grow in the maturity of your relationship, you have to begin here. You must begin with yourself. You must admit that you are a real piece of work. That is, you must realize that you have a log sticking out of your eye. And before you can do anything about your spouse and their issues, you need to deal with your own.
1: And that means making a daily commitment to repentance and change. Daily spending time reflecting upon and dealing with the issues that you bring to your relationship. And in the midst of conflict or struggle with your spouse, realizing that the real struggle is not to change your spouse, but really the real struggle is identifying the log in your own eye and seeing it, seeing it through to have it removed through repentance.
0: Instead of spending your energy thinking about how your spouse could be a better person, you need to point that energy towards yourself, that attention towards your own heart and begin to reflect on how you can grow and how you can mature. Now, the second thing that you need to realize in your relationship is that your spouse, as well as you, is a real piece of work. Yes, you need to begin with yourself. But for growth and maturity, you must also see the faults in your spouse. Now, I'm sure all of you have seen this play out before. People who are early on in a relationship see no faults in each other. Their partner is perfect. Everything that they do is great. But then, after a season together, after a hard time, a conflict, your partner goes from being 100% perfect to 100% horrible.
1: It's kind of like overeating a food. There's a food you really like, and so you eat it, and then you eat it again, and you eat it again. And then eventually you can't stand the sight of that food. I feel that way about kettle corn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but maturity comes when we accept that no one in this world is perfect. If, you, if your care and devotion to your spouse is predicated on them maintaining a facade of per- perfection, you are setting yourself up for a horrible realization.
1: Maturity in a relationship consists of accepting the fact that your spouse is a piece of work. That maturity comes when you have a proper ambivalence towards your spouse. The ability to feel both positive and negative feelings about the reality of who they are. There are things that you love about your spouse, and then there's things that you don't. There are aspects about your spouse that attracted you to them physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual aspects.
0: Yet over time, you begin to notice things that don't attract you about your spouse. One of the things that I love about April is her intelligence. She is one of the most intelligent people that I have ever met. And I love spending time with her, talking with her, delving deep into issues about theology all the way to biology and chemistry. We can stay up all night. It's actually one of the the things that we have to avoid. We can spend all night talking and going deep about things, and it's wonderful. But then after a while of being married to this very intelligent person, I began to think, I'm going to spend my life with somebody who doesn't struggle the same way I do with certain things. As many of you know and I've shared, I struggle with dyslexia. And so having somebody that can spell any word that she has ever heard, whether it was in kindergarten or last week, is difficult. And when she says, why can't you spell that? It's so easy. All of a sudden, the thing that attracts me to April all of a sudden becomes something that is not attractive to me.
1: And I love that David is a strong leader. His faithful guidance and his God-honoring direction are really a great comfort to me. He's a decisive person, so when we're trying to find out where we're going to go to eat one night if we're going out... No hemming and hawing. He knows where we're going to go. This man can get in and out of Walmart in record time. There's no reason to comparison shop. Just grab it off the shelf and let's go. (laughs) He also has gotten my family, not our family with the children, but my family, adult members of my family from one end of Disney's Animal Kingdom to the other. And I don't think there's another person alive
0: who could do that. <laughs> it, was, it was the hardest task of my life. It was amazing.
1: <laughs> but um, there are some aspects to David's leadership that can feel a little bit stifling at times. Sometimes I feel like my opinion isn't even getting a chance to be heard because he's making decisions without asking me first. Uh, I particularly get bothered when I hear him announce a plan to the kids that is new to me as well.
0: You see, strong relationships do not come about when you love everything about your spouse. Nor will they be built by trying to ignore those things that are difficult about your partner. Rather, maturity in relationships means that you are willing to accept the fact that your spouse really is a piece of work. They're not perfect, nor should you expect them to be. The security of a mature relationship is that you don't have to be perfect to be loved, nor does your spouse have to love everything about you to love you well.
1: In Ephesians 4, Paul writes, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another
0: in love. With the wisdom of God's word in our minds concerning love, I want you to listen to this article I ran across that purported to speak to maturity in love and relationships. The love between two mature people fills every crack in the fiber of their being they didn't know that they had. How do you know? How can you tell if your relationship is in it for the long haul? First, it should be easy from the beginning to the end. Love is easy. It's the easiest thing you've ever done. It's the calmest place in your life, the safest blanket you've ever worn. It's something that happens naturally. It doesn't need to be fought for day in and day out. I think this person is delusion. I didn't have a whole lot of luck on the internet. Of course, a mature relationship is not filled with drama. And ideally, it should be a safe place. But maturity is not attained easily. And if you buy into the idea that there is someone else out there with whom you will be so compatible that, quote, every crack in the fiber of your being will be filled by them, you're going to be left disappointed because no one will do that for you. And I know when you have this person that you think is 100% lovable, 100% perfect for you, and then all of a sudden they're not, you think, well, maybe there is somebody else out there that is. Maybe there is somebody else out there that isn't a piece of work, and maybe I made a mistake, maybe God made a mistake in leading me to be with this person. But the reality is that each and every single human being is a piece of work.
1: I was a little sad to realize that David didn't feel that I was the person that filled every crack of his being, (laughs) but I'm trying to handle that from a secure position because that would be mature, (laughs) but back to what we're talking about here, the discontentment you may feel in your relationship is not because God has led you to the wrong person, but rather it's because you have the wrong idea of what a mature relationship consists of. It's not the joining of two perfect people. Rather, it's the union of two people who have vowed to bear with one another to maintain the bond of unity.
0: You see, again, your spouse is a piece of work, but they're your piece of work. And so you're called to love them. Yes, all my piece of work. (laughs) And to be honest about the reality of who they are. Because you're not loving them If your love is contingent on them being somebody who they are not truly. Now maybe some of these things have been hard to hear. But it's okay because we are all in the same boat together. Ephesians 2.10 again. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us, not because we were perfect, but rather because he loved us, because he realized that we needed to change, that there was something profoundly wrong about who we are in our sinful state. And so motivated, not because we were perfect, but motivated so that we might become more like Christ, he died for us. And if you are in Christ, then it means that you are in the process of being changed and conformed into the image of Christ. And ultimately, that is a true and helpful definition of maturity. Being like Christ. This is the goal. This is the aim of our salvation. Romans chapter 8, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Why did, what did, he, why did he predestine us? What was the purpose? To be conformed to the image of of his son. And this is why it is so pivotal to understand if you are not willing to admit that you are a real piece of work, then your aim in your relationship will be to conform your spouse to your image. Through arguments, through threats, through force and manipulation, you will try to make them in your image so that they will see everything from your point of view, that they will agree with you in everything that you believe. Men, you will be willing to use your headship in marriage to force your wife in conforming to your desires and ruling over her.
1: And women, you'll shun submission and seek to manipulate your husband into conforming into your image. You'll want him to follow your wants, your desires, On the other hand, if you're not willing to admit that your spouse is a real piece of work, then you'll also fall into the trap of idolizing them. You'll put them on a pedestal, and you'll seek to be conformed to
0: their image. But eventually, that idol will fall. And when they do fall, you'll be unable to love them any longer because you never really loved them in the first place, but only a vain shadow of who you wanted them to be. Therefore, within the context of a Christian marriage, we must trust that God is the one who is at work within us. We must trust that it is his job to change our spouse into his image, not our job to change them into our image. Being like Christ is the aim of our process of change and growth. As Ephesians 5.25 says to husbands, Husbands, love your wives. How? How are we to love our wives? as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That is the aim of this process of maturity, being willing to submit to the process of becoming more and more like Christ.
1: We're all in the process of changing and growing. And if we would grow into maturity, we must begin with the truth that we are God's piece of work. We are those who have been predestined to be conformed to the image of God's beloved Son.
0: Maturity. It's a process of growth and a process of change. And as Christians, we realize that it is growth and change not into the image of our spouse, not into the image of ourselves, but rather into the image of Christ. Yes, you are a piece of work. And yes, your spouse is a piece of work, but you are God's piece of work, and he is seeking to see the mature fruit of Christ-likeness in your life.
1: The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control.
0: So Commit. To getting that log out of your eye before you try to get the speck out of your partner's eye.
1: And commit to loving your spouse even though they're not 100% lovable.
0: And commit to trust God to change you and your spouse into his image for his glory. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this night and we ask, Lord, that you would change us into the image of Christ, that you would be at work in our hearts and in our marriages. Father, we do pray that you would send forth your spirit in abundance, that the fruits of the spirit might be found in our marriages, Lord, and that we might love one another well. And we pray it all in Christ's holy name. Amen.